Hello everyone, you're listening to the Tech Loop Podcast. Today, we're in conversation with Mr. Ankit Bhatt. He's a lead Android developer at Microsoft with nearly 10 years of experience in Android application development and has worked for incredible companies like iGate and AOL. Mr. Garik is also a certified Scrum Master. It's really good to have you with us today, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to get this opportunity to talk to everyone today. So, so Android development is a really daunting field to get started in. It just seems so expansive with the complexity in designing and developing applications. And also there are so many devices that do not run stock Android. And so the code written does not behave as they are ideally supposed to. How do you tackle this? So I, I honestly think uh, we, we could have gotten better support from Google uh, if Google... Uh, can work closely with uh, different OEMs, uh, the different device manufacturers that we have to ensure the API implementation is consistent across all these manufacturers, it would have helped us. But because we are not there yet, uh, what we normally do is we we have to test our applications on different uh, devices from these different manufacturers. One way to do that is what we do is we we uh, go and check our data and see different uh, different devices that our users are on, and we try to get the popular devices with different uh, operating systems. Uh, like we 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 tend to buy them and then test uh, our application on some of these devices so that we can ensure our customers are having a really good experience. So that's one one of the testing steps that we do. The next thing that we have is what we call as a dog fooding uh, program. Uh, we we have Microsoft employees in uh, different countries uh, across the world. So once our build is ready, uh, we we distribute it uh, to internal employees so that they can test it out on their devices, uh, and uh, they also give us feedback about bugs or crashes that they are noticing or seeing. So that helps us as well uh, to ensure uh, quality of our applications. The next layer that we have uh, is uh, like we we have a quality uh, team uh, that operates in a similar manner. Quality engineers are distributed across the world, uh, which helps us uh, test our application again on different uh, manufacturers and different devices in different countries. they also tend to report bugs at a, a very early stage in development process so that some of these bugs can be addressed sooner. Uh, one of the really nice things uh, or programs that Google has is the beta program uh, where applications can register and uh, get some of their uh, real users to sign up for their beta programs so that they can see some of the new features sooner. And if they uh, notice any bugs or issues, they can report to developers. So that's that's another test uh, testing step that we can have, and it it, it can be useful in uh, addressing some of these uh, concerns that you raised. Sounds like a really expansive process. Or does it get overwhelming sometimes throughout the production? It it does take time. Uh, so like uh, from finishing code and being code complete uh, to launching the application to market because of all these steps that we have in place, it does take uh, two to three weeks for that application to get rolled out to to our end users. But we we do ensure that uh, uh, like the number of bugs that we have in our application are really less because of this process. So it's it's okay. It's it's a good thing to have in place. So, so Android runs on a wide variety of hardwares and also it has a huge list of OS versions. So how do you account for all of these points during development to provide a smooth experience for all the users? 
yeah uh, android fragmentation is is real like that that's a very uh, very big problem so one of the key things that we do is we would try and test our application on different density devices uh, we also test it on different screen sizes uh the other thing that we try and do is uh, it's part of our development process is uh, we ask engineers to test uh, the features that they are building on on the minimum version that we are supporting and also on the max version that we are supporting and if 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 they do not work properly then uh, we we need to go back and fix some of the code that we have uh so it it's it's useful to have these checks in development process itself uh the other thing that we uh, rely on is android lint android lint catches uh, apis uh like use of apis that are not supported in the range of uh, os version that we have specified so say if, if we are using a api and it is not supported in some of the minimum version uh, os versions that we have uh android studio or android lint would flag that out and we can we can add some necessary checks in place or handle it gracefully uh, or maybe like try and see if there is a alternate api that we can use so it's already so many steps in the process of completing an app not just starting out with it plus the many frequent updates that are made to the documentation with many methods being deprecated every single year how do you keep up with all of these changes and update yourself Uh, yes I, i i agree with you like android changes a lot uh, it has changed a lot in the past 3 years uh, but what is what has really helped me in the past is keeping myself updated and there are a number of uh, things uh, that i do uh, in order to keep myself updated uh, i would say the first thing to do would be uh, subscribe to the android developers channel on youtube google posts a lot of videos there uh, and these videos are really good uh the next thing that i try and do is i try and follow uh, uh android developer relation uh, people on twitter uh they tend to post a lot about like uh, library changes library updates uh and like uh, and then i would go back and see if the what what state is the library and check the release notes out and see uh, what all new features have they added and things like that apart from that the next thing is uh, as any software engineer i also read uh, medium blogs uh, uh, to keep myself updated with the latest technologies and latest things uh, that that are going on on android we also have a lot of android newsletters uh, that you can subscribe to uh, basically it's a gist of what's going on in android world and uh, like and these newsletters would come in email every week so that's that's also a good thing to have plus there are also a lot of open communities uh, uh which are android specific uh, that i am part of so like uh, being part of all these things that uh, helps me keep in touch with what's going on uh, in the android world uh, but uh, i i i cannot completely rely on these things the other thing that i would fall back on would be android studio and android lint they also have great ways of catching uh, uh things uh, that i'm not doing properly or if i'm using apis that have been deprecated android studio android lint would suggest things uh, to me uh, or different apis that can be used so uh, yeah like the tooling is also really good i hope that all of the listeners are duly noting down all of these resources and will be using them so with uh 
the many cross-platform technologies coming up and that already exist in the market, like Flutter, React Native, Xamarin, how do you think it affects the native development market? I think both the both the technologies uh, can coexist. Uh, there is space for both of them to coexist. Uh, cross-platform technologies have their own pros, uh, and native technologies have their own pros. Uh, like one of one of the very common things uh, or common reasons why people use cross-platform technologies would be the ease uh, in which you can release applications on different platforms. Uh, the time to market is less compared to native platforms. Uh, you you have to learn just one technology, but there are also cons associated with some of these uh, uh, cross-platform technologies. Uh, like performance is slightly lower than uh, native technologies. Uh, then the other thing that I've noticed is uh, some of these cross-platform frameworks, they tend to take some time to keep themselves updated with the latest OS APIs that are being launched on Android and iOS. So that's another uh, drawback. Uh, but I I would say, uh, I think both of them have their own market and it depends on the kind of application and use case that you're working on um, and what, what kind of technology you should be using. So just to add on to that question, now that you mentioned the pros and cons of cross-platform technologies, where do you think one should begin their development journey? Um, I, I would suggest to start with uh, native technologies first uh, because uh, even if you're using some of these cross-platform technologies, uh, cross-platform technology cannot solve all the problems and uh, at times you would still have to write some amount of native code. So if, if you start simple uh, with, with some of these native technologies in, in a specific platform, if you learn that, it would also help you when you're trying to do cross-platform applications. So now that we're on the topic of beginning the Android journey, what do you think are some mistakes that amateur Android developers make and how do you think that they can improve upon those mistakes? So some of the common mistakes that I have uh, seen uh, or, or like the first one is, 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 is a mistake that even uh, experienced uh, Android engineers can make at times. Uh, is making sure that uh, we do not have any long running operations on the main thread. Uh, like no file access, no read or writes on the file on main thread, no database access, no read write to DB, uh, network calls should not be done on main thread. Uh, at times it can get tricky uh, to figure out uh, if, if you're doing this. So one tool that I would suggest is called a strict mode in Android. Uh, while you are developing your apps, keep the strict mode on and it would help you catch some of these uh, issues early early on uh, when you're developing. The next thing that I have in mind is do not try and reinvent the wheel. Uh, Android has a lot of really good libraries that you can use. Uh, Google has an uh, entire suite of Jetpack libraries, uh, which, which like each of these library is solving a specific problem and they've solved it really well and it scales. So try and reuse some of these libraries. Also, uh, there are a lot of other libraries uh, from different companies like Square. Square is again uh, uh, like a company which which runs or which has a lot of their software on Android. So uh, they are also contributing to open source. So try and see if you can use uh, some of the libraries from Square. 
uh, apart from that, I would say uh, try and use uh, some of these tools that I mentioned, like uh, try and use Android Lint, try and use Detect KT, try and use uh, KT Lint. Uh, these tools can help you uh, guide and learn uh, when, when you're new to Android uh, and help 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 in your development process. Uh, so, yeah. So now, again, that we're talking about new people getting into Android, where do you see the Indian market for Android developers in the next, say, five years? I would say India is predominantly... Uh, Android market uh, and I think it's going to grow. Uh, we have a lot of uh, device manufacturers in India, uh, Android devices. We, we have a wide range of Android devices. Like uh, we can get a really cheap Android device. We also have like a really powerful, really expensive Android device. Uh, the reach is amazing uh, in, in, in India. Like if, if you are an Android engineer, you just have to work on uh, a single application and you can reach to all of uh, all of this audience uh, very quickly. And I, I think it's only going to grow. Uh, one thing that I'm looking forward to in, in, in years to come is uh, having applications uh, in India that support different Indian languages. Uh, and it, it, it would be easier for audience uh, like uh, who are a little bit older, like if, if you say my parents, uh, it, it would be easier for them to use some of these applications if, if they were in their own languages that they can understand and not just in English. And I've seen a lot of uh, really popular Indian applications have started doing this, but I think uh, things would get back, uh, better here. And uh, uh, I, I think it's a good space to be in in coming years uh, because uh, just by developing an application on a single platform, it, the, the reach uh, that we have in India uh, is amazing. So I, I think it's only going to grow from here. As you mentioned, the reach being an Android app developer in India is massive. So you being the app lead at Microsoft, how does it feel when the technology that you have been working on is used by millions of people? It, it feels amazing. Uh... It's it's rare to get uh, opportunity to work at Microsoft, and I'm I'm really happy that I'm I I'm here and I work with Microsoft, and uh, I I get the opportunity to work on applications that uh, we have shipped across uh, hundreds of countries. But it also comes with its own set of challenges. Like we we have to ensure that the features that we are working on they work really well across all these countries and all these languages. Then we also have to ensure that uh, the feature works properly in right to left regions or we, we also have to ensure that uh, specially able people can use our applications as well. Uh, then there are uh, a lot of privacy guidelines and security guidelines that we have to adhere to. But once 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 all this is done and uh, we are ready to ship some new features on new applications, when it reaches uh, our users uh, and the joy uh, when, when you see users downloading the app and using and uh, writing back either reviews or uh, writing emails to you uh, that uh, they love the application and how much uh, of a help it is to them. Uh, reading those emails is really good and uh, it, it, it makes all the hard work that you have put in worth it. So it's, it's amazing. We've talked about your journey so much. Could you please throw some more light on how you began your journey in Android and just how your experience was in the early years till now? So 
I, I started a mobile application development back in 2010. Uh, I, I started as a web engineer, uh, as a mobile web engineer. Uh, at that time, HTML5 was very popular. So I, I started uh, learning JavaScript, HTML5, CSS3, and I started building mobile web applications that you can port across different uh, devices, Android, uh, iOS. At that time, we had BlackBerry and some Windows devices as well that we were supporting. Uh, but after one point, I, I felt that uh, I, I, I wanted to switch to native because I saw the market uh, moving towards native development. Uh, there was a point where Facebook uh, moved away from their HTML5 application. LinkedIn did the same thing. So I thought uh, it was time for me to learn uh, Android native development as well. And uh, that was the reason I, I uh, spent some time. I did uh, some boot camps here in Bay Area. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a very popular boot camp here. It's called as CodePath. Uh, so I, I did that. And th that's how I transitioned from being like a mobile web engineer into a native Android engineer. So now, as you've been working in this industry for a really long time, and you've seen it through many phases, as Android OS progresses, it becomes very restrictive and hard for Android developers to develop apps with full creativity. For example, battery optimization of the OS doesn't let you run any background services. So do you think that Google should provide some more freedom to Android app developers? I, I look at it in a different way. Uh, I, I think Android has been very open from the very beginning. Uh, if you compare Android versus iOS, there are a lot of things that we can do on Android as uh, application developers that you could not, uh, that was not possible on iOS. But because of this, uh, also app developers have used it in a bad way. Uh, that's the reason Google is trying to now add some restrictions uh, around uh, background processing, uh, location uh, data and how we share location data uh, and battery optimizations. So that's that's the primary reason. And I, I think it's it's a valid reason. Google is trying to protect uh, the end users, consumers, uh, and trying to ensure their security, privacy is, is being maintained. Uh, so these are some good checks, I would say. And uh, it, it, it helps us ensure that even our users of the application would, would be safe and secure when, when they are using our application. So it's, it's good to have some of these checks. And uh, I, I think there would be more uh, coming down the road, but uh, Google does a good job at helping engineers uh, migrate from their older APIs to new APIs. They also have uh, feedback sessions or uh, they have uh, feedback cycles where they talk to engineers uh, before they are planning on some of these migrations. So it's, it's useful. So now moving on to a more technical aspect of Android app development. Do you think that MVVM architecture is a go-to solution for any native app dev or of any kind? Okay, so let, let me begin by answer the, answering it this way. Uh, like two to three years back, Google did not have a strong suggestion around what kind of architecture pattern to use when you're building Android applications. It's, it's a very recent thing where Google is strongly promoting MVVM architecture pattern. I think it, it could work for a lot of the applications that, that we have, but it might not work for all of the applications. So I would say uh, if, if you're an engineer working on uh, an application uh, whose use case is slightly different than most of the applications which are out there, uh, do not uh, just uh, assume that MVVM is the thing, like try and think about uh, other architecture patterns as well. And if your use case or if your application uh, 
has a need of using something different like MVP or MVBI, go for it. Uh, but still, uh, most of the applications should be okay uh, to use MVBM, I would say. All right, sir. So, uh, sir, now many production-level apps like Swiggy, Zomato, Amazon, they have server-driven UI. How do you feel about this technology as opposed to native pre-rendered Android views? So, currently, it's it's not that easy to use some of these technologies. You can, uh, but it's not very straightforward. Uh, but I, I think with some of the new developments uh, that we, we are having uh, in, like, uh, the, the current example that I have in mind would be Compose uh, that Google is working on right now. Uh, it might become slightly easier, uh, but but it's it's something down the road, I would say. Uh, we, we, we have tried doing uh, this uh, to some extent, not, not exactly server-driven UI, but what we did was uh, we have multiple different states uh, in, in, in the UI that we have in code already and based on uh, the server data that we get, we, we can turn on or off some of these states or UI uh, that would be visible to the end user. Uh, but I, I think with some of the new advancements, uh, things would get better and easier uh, around this. So now that you said that um, there are some advantages to it and some disadvantages to it, do you think that you would like to implement server-driven UI in any of the apps that you worked on? Uh, it it depends. Like if, if there are use cases where we really need something like this, uh, it could be something that we can consider. But I think uh, right now the needs can be met by simple uh, A-B testing frameworks that we have in place. Uh, but uh, there, there have been use cases where we have discussed this, but uh, we have not yet implemented something like this in, in the application that I'm working on currently. All right, so now it's time for my personal favorite part of the podcast, which is the informal section. So we call this segment the sketchy banter. And I'm going to be asking you a couple of informal questions about Android, about you, and you give any answer that's from the top of your head. Okay, sure. All right, so sir, now maybe a cheeky question, but uh, you're an Android developer. Uh, So what do you think are some of your preferred things about Apple products, specifically the iPhone? Like one thing that uh, Apple has always been known for is their user experience. It's it's really easy to use Apple products. Even like a really small kid, uh, I don't know how they, they, they figure out <laughs> how to use uh, Apple products. So that's, that's the best part. I think Android is close, uh, but still. The other thing that I'm really jealous about Apple is the rate at which their users upgrade either their OSs and their applications. That's nowhere close to where Android is. So uh, I would say that's one thing that I'm really jealous uh, of, like uh, iOS engineers or Apple engineers. So is it um, big enough for you to want to switch to using Apple products as compared to Android devices? Uh, no, I, I would not say that. I, I would not say that. Uh, because, I, like, I still believe uh, Apple uh, or iPhone is popular in first world countries a lot. Uh, but if, if, if you are targeting developing countries or uh, a larger population, Android is still the platform. Uh, so you've been coding for many, many years. What is one IDE that you've used that you wish you could eradicate from this world? 
so uh, the editor that I really, really do not like is VI. I, I don't know if you have heard about it. It's it's the terminal editor that we have. Like first time when I was using it, uh, it took me some time to figure out how to edit or make changes in, in the editor. Like I was typing, but nothing was happening. And then I figured out we are not in an insert mode and we have to get the editor in insert mode and only then you can make changes. So firstly, it took me some time to make some changes. Now I've done my changes. Now I want to exit the editor. So I was trying to figure out how do you exit the editor? There are like special commands that you have to like uh, escape colon Q uh, that you have to type to exit the editor. And it took me some Googling to try and figure that out. So that's that's not something that I enjoy and love. And if, if there are alternatives, I, I would I normally try and do that rather than use a VI editor. No, definitely VI is not user friendly at all. So in the same limb, which is an editor that you swear by? I, I think I, I like IntelliJ products. Uh, uh, so Android Studio is built on top of IntelliJ IDE. Uh, I, I think I, I, I like them. They are good. Uh, I've also used NetBeans in the past for like web projects that I used to work on. But I've not been using that like for a really long time now. And I've been relying on IntelliJ's IDEs a lot. And I, I think they, they're nice. So bringing back an older question that we've talked about in a more formal sense, some people think that native app developers will be replaced by a lot of web developers as they gain tools that make developing mobile apps easier. How do you think that will affect the native app de uh, development scene? Uh, I I don't think that's true. Uh, in fact, I, I think of it the other way. Like I was a mobile web developer or a web developer that transitioned into native development because I, I thought that uh, native is the thing that is going to eat the world and everyone is going to be on cell phones and things like that. But that did not happen. Like it did happen. Like a lot of our users are using phones, but that did not mean the web pages are no longer there, right? We, we still right, visit sir. websites and things like that. So I think there is space for both. Uh, there would be market for both. And I, I don't think any of them is going to be extinct. Like, in at least in the near future, I would say. All right, sir. So you've worked in both India and in the States. And you've experienced work culture in both countries. How do you like the work culture in India as compared to the States? Or in the States compared to India? Um... Okay, good question. I, I I worked in India, I would say eight years back. Uh, things things are changing a lot right now, and I'm I'm seeing like positive changes in India. A lot of we have a lot of startups. We have a lot of product related companies that have uh, come up in India, and they are hiring a lot, right? So when I was working in India, we 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 had very like few uh, product based companies at, at that time so i i started with like a consulting company uh, and like when i came here like the work culture is really amazing when you're working for one of these product companies they try and make sure that uh, they are helping you in any way they can uh, employees satisfaction and happiness is is one of the key things that that they try to ensure that they are delivering on and I think we we are we are seeing similar trends in India with some of the new product companies that we have. So I, I would say it's similar uh, based on what I've heard and uh, based on the chats that I've had with my friends who are working in, in India right now, uh, at least in product-based companies. So now 
if you could go back to when you first began android development what is one warning that you would give to your younger self uh so one warning that i would give myself would be uh, are you sure you want to do android because it <laughs> keeps changing a lot and you have to like you you're constantly learning and it keeps evolving a lot it's it's good as well uh but it it uh, also requires you to invest that much amount of time uh to ma- to make sure that you keep yourself updated so that that's the only warning that i would have for myself now that we have that information what is one domain that you think you could have chosen if you hadn't gone into native uh if i would not have gone into native i would have continued with uh, web development uh, i would say like i i enjoyed that aspect of it as well uh, i i enjoy working on things that users can uh, use and touch and interact with so uh, like it it would either have been like a web based uh, thing or like the native applications that i'm working on right now so in previous talks we've to we both raved about our love for vada pavs what is one thing that you get in india that you wish that you could take with you to the states aside from vada pav of course uh i would have loved if i i could have brought my family and friends here way more often or uh, like yeah that that's one one part that i miss uh and the other thing is street food uh is is something that uh we we get here but it's not uh, as good as what what we get in india so yeah of course nothing nothing beats mumbai's vada pav can't get that in the states that brings us to the end of the informal session and as well as to the end of this podcast so with that sir do you think there's any advice or anything that you want to leave the listeners with today so one thing that has really helped me uh, in my career if if i look back now uh, is constantly learning constantly trying new things out uh and asking questions asking for help uh reaching out to people uh so i would say the same thing like keep yourself updated keep trying new things keep learning and uh things would fall in place uh at times it at times you would feel that it's taking a lot of time but yeah do not lose hope like keep trying and think things would come in place uh, soon that's really great advice sir it's been absolutely amazing to have you with us today and to get to interact with you about your experiences about your work and it's just it's been an absolutely ex- amazing experience to have you with us yeah it it, it was the same it, it was nice talking to everyone and uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity and if if you have questions or things that you want to discuss please feel free to reach out and like uh, either message me on linkedin uh, try and find me on linkedin ankit gag uh, space microsoft uh, i i i think uh, there are a lot of ankit gags in microsoft but uh, <laughs> i i think you should be able to find me uh, if if not you can always uh, reach out to me on my email kurg ankit 90@gmail.com uh and i i would be happy to help out and answer any questions or things that you're stuck on thank you so much sir incredible amount of knowledge here today and thank you to everybody for staying with us till the end all of the listeners out there so with that we wrap up this episode of the techlude podcast thank you so much for joining us today it's been a pleasure and see you next time